Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, and welcome to our podcast recording for the NIHR Dementia Researcher website. This week, we will be discussing the research aims and outputs of the Mark study with two of the contributing researchers, Dr Penny Rappaport and Francesca Lefrenet. Frankie has a psychology background and has worked in dementia care and research since graduating. She is working and studying for her PhD part-time in the Mark study. Penny is a clinical psychologist with many years' experience working clinically with people with dementia and in applied health research. She is also completing her PhD in the Mark study. So, welcome to both of you and thank you for joining us today. Uh, The MARC project stands for Managing Agitation and Raising Quality of Life in Dementia and consists of six different work streams. Today we will be speaking about work stream three, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, (laughs) so can you tell us a bit more about the whole study and in particular work stream three? Yeah, you can say something. Uh, Well, the MARC project is of an umbrella for six different streams that are all related to dementia and agitation. Um, So we're looking at agitation in care homes, the community and hospitals. But Workstream 3 is an intervention taking place in care homes where we train care home staff to help them um, kind of manage agitation better in their residents. Okay, so do you produce a training manual at the end or is it a toolkit to help staff yes it's a manualized training program so it's six sessions um and each week they get a new manual something different around uh managing agitation and ways to improve that for them okay and how did you even begin designing the training intervention yeah so so i think um it yeah it feels like it's taken a lot of a lot of years and we've been thinking about it for a long time um, but basically what we wanted to do was think about what was already happening what what already works um, so we looked at the existing evidence and Jill Livingston who's the PI on the project did a big systematic review looking at what works for agitation in terms of non-pharmacological um, approaches and we then use that information together with um, so the focus of my PhD is actually on the development of the intervention so we um, I did lots of interviews with care home staff talked to family carers about how they're currently managing agitation kind of what works what doesn't work and what what makes it harder and easier what gets in the way because one of the things that we know is that although certain things do work in care homes, so for example, um, having kind of supervised person-centered care or um, helping people to communicate a bit better, helping the staff to communicate with people with dementia, most things don't have a sort of sustained effect. So we're interested in, in developing something which might have a lasting effect. So um, we brought together the evidence of what works, um, actually what's happening in practice, And then we went through quite a long process. I sort of developed initial drafts based on all of this, talked to Mm -hmm. lots of different professionals and family carers and academics. And it felt like it probably didn't take that long, but it felt like it took forever. You know, there was lots of conversations and then all the research assistants, so people like Frankie, who would then be delivering the intervention 
actually practiced it for hours and hours. <laughs> and, practiced it with yeah. care staff in situ or practiced it with patients yourself? We kind of did in-house practicing okay. where we went through it. Um, then we found areas that didn't quite work or mm-hmm. didn't quite gel together. But we also showed it to care home staff who gave their feedback. And then uh, we did a pilot project in one care home. And after that, we tweaked it a bit further and we did focus groups and interviews following that to see how they thought we could improve the manuals before we then did the intervention in 20 care homes and 10 of those care homes received the training and 10 of them didn't. Okay, so overall, how long has it taken to... (laughs) Feels like probably longer than it's been. So we started in around July 2014, the kind of... At that point, we had you know done the systematic review but nothing else so since then Mm -hmm. we did all the qualitative work we um piloted it in um one care home when was that like this sort of around april 2016 i think Mm -hmm. um so that sort of two years period was how long we spent kind of um co-producing the intervention um and then we refined it further as frankie said to start the rct i don't know when when was that like september 2016 or something so now we're just June, yeah i think june 2016 and it's six sessions of this so there's the manual for six sessions but then there's also um a three-month follow-up supervision period where we go into the homes it's very practical it's very much about you know making a plan with the care home staff so we train all the staff but then go in um me as a clinical psychologist and frankie you and the other facilitators just to troubleshoot um any problems they're having putting practice putting into practice what they've learned and stuff so we do that for a three-month period as well so it's quite yeah and we're just coming to the end now aren't we so now you're collecting the quantitative data from it okay have you got any preliminary results no (laughs) so um finishes this week yeah so we're still collecting yeah so we're in the last um collecting the last bit of data from the last of the 20 Mm -hmm. care homes so we that's we followed people up eight months after the intervention. Um, so we won't have any preliminary results for a few months, really, because mm-hmm. it just all takes a long time, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I suppose, we, what we have is the results. You know, We know how the pilot went, yeah. um, and we know how it's gone from our perspective. Um, yeah, we've got, like, anecdotal yeah. Yeah, things that... Well, whether it, that will be picked up during the data collection, yeah. fingers crossed, but... Yeah. Um, so an eight-month follow-up, that's quite a long time to follow up afterwards, in a good way. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of studies, I know in that systematic review, you said it's often that they work for a bit and then sort of the yeah. effect drops off. Yeah. So is eight months considered a long time? Uh, well, that was why we yeah. wanted to do, you know, a longer period. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of trials kind of three months, but yeah. eight months would hopefully pick up on kind of more long term okay and also the intervention takes a while to deliver so actually it's not eight months from the end of the intervention period it's eight months from baseline isn't it so the intervention we do six sessions fortnightly um so six times that so it's like 12 weeks come on you're better at maths weekly oh it's weekly yeah sorry i'm the i'm I'm the (laughs) Yeah, obviously expert in uh, six times two. Oh, yes, it's weekly. So it's six weeks, often with a bit of a break, and then a three-month supervision period. So so actually, 
it's about three months usually, typically, from the end of the our final bit of input mm-hmm. to when we collect data. But it is we did that intentionally because I think yeah. we wanted to see whether we could have a kind of sustained effect effect. at that point. Yeah. yeah, and also from you know you implement the training manual yeah. and then you want to see whether that continues on after you leave. You don't just want the data from immediately afterwards mm-hmm. when it's all positive yeah fresh in their mind yeah yeah um okay so you sort of touched a little bit on your roles but what did you both do in this study Frankie so my role was I was enrolled in the data collection Mm -hmm. um so that would be at the baseline and then the follow-up and then I facilitated the training sessions so I would deliver those um and then go in throughout the three-month period afterwards. It kind of depended on the care home, how often that was, um, and did supervisions like that. And then, Penny, you you were involved in the development. I won't Mm. take your answer, sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Um, Yeah, so I have worked with these guys, obviously in the development of the intervention, um, and also the training of the people who are facilitating the intervention. Um, so Frankie and all of your lovely colleagues, um, I, together with some of the other people we work with at UCL, um, did quite a lot of kind of formal training and teaching mm-hmm. to help you get ready to deliver that intervention, but also um, did your sort of clinical supervision. So we would meet together um, fortnightly, um throughout the intervention period really just to have a chance to think about what was coming up um any challenges that you were facing um any sort of dilemmas that you experienced um and we do that in a group so you could learn from each other and then I would also go in and do sort of supervision in the care homes as well mm-hmm. as part of that follow-up period sometimes with them sometimes separately mm-hmm. so so um, in the care home setting did you enjoy working in the care homes yeah, I really enjoyed working in care homes. Um, this wasn't the first time that we'd been working in the homes because Mark's been going on for like four years yeah. now. But actually doing the training was quite different mm-hmm. and it was a really good kind of forum for the care home staff to talk about their experiences in a way that I hadn't really heard from them before. Mm. And they were very receptive to the training on the whole. Um, it was something new for them and I said new for us. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting an exciting experience and each care home was different so I feel like it was it was really rewarding I very very much and I think I speak for a lot, all of my colleagues say that we all really enjoyed delivering the training and working with the staff yeah mm. I know in the um, in some of the information you provided you said that uh, you train all the staff um, so they all feel empowered to mm. deliver um, and also that uh, I wondered whether the staff can become agitated themselves around looking after people with mm. dementia and whether the training also helps them mm. sort of deal with that side of it. Absolutely, yeah. So I think one of the things that came out from doing the qualitative work beforehand um, was just the sense in which staff, you know, on the one hand they have really good skills and abilities and ideas about how to manage but at the same time it is really difficult and the conditions they're working in are really tough and often they don't you know necessarily feel that they're getting the support that they need and one of the things I was just looking at some of the feedback from the pilot data actually and so within each session um 
we tried one of the key things is that we wanted to make the sessions quite fun for people to mm. participate because it was mandatory and they were going to have to come um and we didn't want them to just sit there and be bored and um fall asleep and all of those <laughs> things so we um in each session as well as all the kind of main content and thinking about agitation and thinking about their skills we also had a sort of stress management or a um section which was about how they manage their stress themselves um and so you would do uh kind of different um guided relaxation exercises and we also made sure we had a break and we provided food and refreshments and i think the whole ethos of it was to try and make staff feel that they were being valued for their contribution mm-hmm. um because i'm not sure that that always happens in care homes i mean we, you probably from stream two in mark actually you spent a lot more time in care homes collecting data frankie so mm-hmm. i wonder if you saw that that kind of sense of staff maybe not feeling as supported yeah definitely um and i think that the training also gave them a bit more of a sense of empowerment and kind of ownership over their caring and what they could do individually yeah, i think it's quite nice because you say you train all the staff instead mm-hmm. of just you know leaders or champions <clears throat> mm-hmm. which often is the way you know you teach one person and you hope that it filters down mm. but by teaching everyone you are you know mm. giving ownership to everyone in the care home absolutely so. and conversely I think having the management in the training as well mm-hmm. kind of helped to promote what we were trying to do through the training and kind of had their approval as well so things that we were asking the carers to do we were asking the managers mm-hmm. to do as well and yeah things that we asked them to do were in the long run going to save them more time than it would cost them yeah um but there was a little bit of kind of homework between each of the sessions that they could try out to see whether it worked for them and having the managers in the room when we were asking them to do that it allowed them to take time out of their week mm. to do that yeah. uh, homework as well okay i know in your um why did you choose to work in dementia section? You said about um, in the future you'd like care homes to have a bit more of a positive reputation. Do you think a study like this can could help that in that because you're training staff to sort of take ownership, that then they're more invested in what they're doing and that can really promote the, the actual care part of a care home? Ooh. <laughs> Tough question. Um I mean, I'd hope so. I think, you know, there's a lot of stigma and that a lot yeah. of that comes from the media mm-hmm. and the way that it focuses, you know, on care homes that they think will get lots of attention, you yeah. know, like things like abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, what we've seen overwhelmingly from working in care homes, certainly what I've seen, is that, you know, most on the whole, they're very good and they're full of very caring yeah. individuals who want the best for all of their mm-hmm. residents. Um and you know, I st- even when I talk about care homes, you still get a lot of people who say, "Well, I wouldn't want to be in a care home. I wouldn't yeah. want to end up there." And you know, f- from my experience, I'm looking forward to going to a care home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> you, they, you know, there's lots and lots of work going on in care mm-hmm. homes, and training like this can obviously, you know, hopefully make them even mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. places. Yeah. But there's also lots of new initiatives you know, kind of intergenerational stuff, getting kids in there and there was a TV programme, kind of opening the doors a bit more and Mm -hmm. not having, you know, the care home generations isolated as they are and I think that can only be a positive step, really. Yeah, okay. 
So you said that you're at the end, sort of, and now you're collecting the data. Are you both due to finish your PhDs soon with that data? Or? Yes. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping to submit in a few months. Yeah, um. yeah. So we're not neither of us are using that data actually for our oh, PhDs. Okay. <laughs> so it's fine because um, I'm my the data I needed was up to the point of finalising the intervention. So mm -hmm. actually, we are both going to finish this summer, roughly, give or take a few months. Mm -hmm. um, and your PhD is on Stream Two data, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm looking at medication use in okay. care homes, and that's coming from the. Uh, stream two which was uh, finished a while ago okay and um, would you do you have any advice that you would give other researchers working in care homes oh. <laughs> i think i mean i think actually building up relationships is really really important i think it is in any sort of applied health research but i think getting people on board really getting out there explaining to people what the study is about um and particularly for intervention studies, not going in as kind of experts with the attitude that we're going mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, come fix. in and tell people what yeah. to do and fix things and make it better. And, you know, because I think implicitly you're always just communicating because actually what you're doing isn't quite good enough. Um, so I think, you know, approaching it from a quite curious position to think well the people you're working with you know the people in the camps are doing the best that they can in the particular situation mm -hmm. they're in and actually spend time embedding yourself getting to know people getting to know who the people who you're going to get a kind of yeah. positive mm -hmm. response from are and don't get kind of um what I'm looking for sort of put off just persist with it really because mm -hmm. it can be just quite I mean we've talked about the sort of positive things mm -hmm. but it can be really really hard because um, people are really busy and, and remembering yeah. that the priorities that we have and the timelines we have as researchers are not the same as the kind of priorities and timelines and challenges that they're facing day to day so mm -hmm. us turning up and going we need to have this you know person phoned by Tuesday isn't always going to work um, no. There's definitely things you can do to make that easier. Mm. You know, always budget more time. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's good advice. And set expectations very clearly mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the, you know, the get-go. As Penny mentioned, finding like, that point person. In some mm -hmm. places that was the care manager, in some places that was the activities coordinator. It's rarely the home manager who's been that person, okay. but someone who was is a bit more on the floor. I really. feel it's like a really good administrator, <clears throat> actually. Um, yeah. who's just really on it <laughs> who's just um who knows who you are yeah and building positive relationships and kind of giving something back as well um you know maybe you know the stress mm. management went down really well yeah. uh, mm. they loved that and i think they found it quite a positive experience yeah. but you know the challenges are just the challenges that you're going to find in a care home and you've got to expect that you're not going to be able mm. to get around them really mm. <laughs> Okay, have you got anything else to add about your study? No, just I hope, I hope it does work. I mean, what we're trying to do is reduce agitation yeah. <laughs> and, um, and improve well-being. So let's hope that that is what happens. I mean, you said you had some see. anecdotal evidence. Is that positive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, we've had some really lovely um, kind of stories for a lot. The training, as we said, mentioned, um, is focused on agitation dementia. But a 
most of it is tailored to the residents that are in the home and very flexible around that and what often happens during the training is that there are a few key residents in each home that are quite challenging for the care home staff to look after and so we focus on them a lot of the time over the course of the training Mm. and following you know how their plans their action plans around those and the different ways that they're trying to intervene in that and agitation and hearing from the staff you know there's been some really nice um and quite impactful changes that they've made so yeah like things like people getting you know you'll i'll hear it through supervision but it'll be like the same person talks about a few times and then it's like actually the staff have said you know they're actually they they've started coming out of their room and coming into activities or um yeah you know, eating with the other eating residents with the other residents and, you know we had a resident who you know was just in her room a lot of the time mm. um but following the training and you know it's hard to say whether you know what impact that we had <laughs> but they were just Try trying a lot harder. I think they were trying before, but I think it's just hearing from their colleagues about what worked, and that's one of the mm. you know best things about the training is that it just gets everybody in the same room mm. and they hear what works for someone else that wasn't necessarily shared with them before, yeah. and that's something that they can take and try out themselves, mm-hmm. and that seemed to be a very positive um, impact of it, of just giving them a space to talk themselves because they often don't have time for that and hear mm-hmm. from each other. Okay, and is it, because I read that it's estimated that around 50% of people with dementia have agitation, is that right, or is that a bit high? So I think um, in care homes, mm. um, I think in Stream 2, which was the big a big, the big the study we did before this, um, was it, eight, I think, 80 or 85% of the people, so it was about 1,500 people with dementia living in care homes in the UK, and I think about, was it 80% um, mm. had... Like some symptoms of agitation and I think about 45% had clinical levels of agitation mm-hmm. so it's very high in care yeah. homes so um, an intervention like this can have a massive yeah. impact yeah and it's also I think what we found in was that it's very much related to quality of life so if you have agitation your quality of life is worse yeah. um, so actually there's a kind of big and it's the most challenging thing for staff to manage which is so there's a big reason for t- yeah, trying to kind of economic impact of mm. agitation as well so mm. yeah. yeah so hopefully fingers crossed yeah <laughs> so okay Good. well thank you very much this has been really informative So I'd like to thank our panellists, Penny and Frankie, and hope you enjoyed this recording. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast through SoundCloud or iTunes. Tell your friends and colleagues and share via social media using the hashtag ECRDementia. Tweet dem underscore researcher if you'd like to get involved or have any suggestions for future podcasts. Our website is constantly updated with funding opportunities for those PhDs and job listings, so make sure you take a look at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk. Thank you and come back soon. This was a podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.